the LifeSpring Church podcast. May the Word of God be a blessing to you. Connect with us and consider giving online at lifespringchurch.us. We're going to go right into the Word, right into the Bible. In Luke chapter 17, I want to share this this Bible story with you from the life of Jesus. Luke 17, we'll start at verse 11. And it came to pass as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. And they lifted up their voice and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go show yourselves to the priest. And it came to pass, as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answered, answering said, where, were, where there not ten cleansed, but where are the nine? There are not found that return to give glory to God, save this stranger. And he said unto him, Arise, go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. Praise God. What a powerful story. You can be seated this morning. The working in the life and the ministry of Jesus. When God does something, his intent is to complete the work that he's doing. God never starts and get distracted like we do. And put it on the shelf and commit to coming back to it at a later time. But he keeps his hands working. He's always working on us. Thankfulness can seem to be a lost art today. Warren Worsby illustrated the problem in one of his commentaries. It was on the, the book of Colossians in, Colossians in his commentary. He told about a ministerial student in Evanston, Illinois who was part of a life-saving squad. So it was in 16 or excuse me in 1860 that a ship ran aground on the shores of Lake Michigan near Evanston and Edward Spencer this young student was reading about how how Edward Spence waded again and again into the frigid waters of Lake Michigan each trip pulling out another survivor rescuing 17 passengers in all in the process of going in and out of this cold water, he received permanent damage to his health. Some years later, at his funeral, it was noted that not one of the people he had rescued ever thanked him. This story sadly illustrates how many people respond to the miraculous work that God does in their lives. They were satisfied with the initial rescue of God rescuing them, but they have missed out on the product 
of gratitude. And that's the topic I want us to focus on today, the product of gratitude. We read this Bible story of the ten lepers, and we're familiar with the one coming back, and, and many people have supposed many different things about the other nine. One writer by the name of Charles Brown gave this list of suggestions about why the other nine didn't return to thank God. Here's his list. One was waiting to see if the cure was real. One was waiting to see how long the cure would last. One said, well, I'll see Jesus later on. I'll tell him then. One decided that maybe he never even had leprosy. One said, he would have gotten well better anyways in a matter of time. One gave the glory to the priest when he arrived. One said, oh, well, Jesus didn't really do anything. He just told us to come to the priest. One said, well, any rabbi could have said that. Another one said, I was already starting to get better. So if I could encourage you this morning, don't delay in your gratitude towards the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and what he is doing and has begun in your life. Be intentional with your gratitude. Be forward with your gratitude towards God. We should live with a heart of thanksgiving. I know the turkey's over and the stuffing is gone and the corn is gone and had something for Thanksgiving. I had had in a long time this year. It was pretty good. The Watergate salad is all gone. All of the, the goodness of the day of, of eating, which seems to be the focus that we put around Thanksgiving, it's really about being together and being thankful. That set day, that set moment, those set time is, has passed and has elapsed. But thankfulness isn't over with. We should continue in thankfulness. We should discover what is the product of gratitude. Let's break down the story of the ten lepers this morning. The ten lepers, the Bible tells us, were living outside of a small village. And as Jesus was approaching this village, he ran into ten lepers. <clears throat> Did you know there's something we can learn just from this passage of Scripture? The lepers realized they couldn't make it alone. They needed each other. The lepers needed one another. One leper may have had infection in his left hand and disabled his ability to use his left hand. And so if he needed someone to help him hold something heavy, he would have had to have relied on maybe one of the other lepers who his hands were fine, but, but maybe he had a sore on his side or on, on his leg. and He could rely upon him to hold something for him. Maybe there's a leper whose, whose feet were infected and, and he couldn't walk or, or move about very easily. But if he needed something from, from down the street or down from the, the creek, if he maybe needed one leper to have good feet to go draw some water for him, he could help him out. The lepers learned how to work with one another, relying on each other's strengths to cover their weaknesses. So you learn from lepers that 
their survival was based upon how unified they worked as a team. So the one lesson you can learn from a leper's camp is unity. It takes all of us to make it to heaven. And your strength may help me in my weakness. And my strength may help you in your weakness. And as the body of Christ, we'll lean upon one another and we'll depend upon each other. And when I need someone to pray for me, I'll trust that you have the prayer of faith to reach heaven. And when you need somebody to pray for you, I'll pray fervently that God will minister in your life. And if you, need a, if you have a need, you can call on the church. Where we're able to serve, we will serve and we will help one another because the lesson we learn from the lepers camp is unity. So 10, we're living together in unity in a lepers camp outside the village and Jesus is walking up and they decided, let's call out to that man. They recognized him and they said, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. He wasn't just Jesus of Nazareth to them. He wasn't just the carpenter's son to them. He was Jesus' master. They had heard the stories of this man named Jesus. How he had healed the sick. He had raised the dead. When he was just beginning his ministry, he turned water into wine. He was going about delivering the demoniacs. He had caused blinded eyes to be opened. Stopped up mouths to begin to speak. He was doing the miraculous. They may have even heard stories of him healing other lepers. And they got together and they said, that's Jesus. We've heard about him. And we're not going to let him pass us by. We're going to cry out to him. Jesus, master, have mercy on us. They realized they were standing in the presence of someone greater than them. They were standing in the presence of somebody who could do more than they could do. And how beautiful it is when we realize we come into a sanctuary like this or you go into a place of prayer in your prayer closet or you just turn your mind towards him, you realize that you've entered into the presence of one who is greater than we are, one who can do things beyond our ability. He is the master of all masters. He is the master who created the sun and the stars and the moon and the earth and all of its inhabitants. He is the master who rules from eternity to eternity. And if there's any need that we have in our life, uh, we can just turn to him, the master of all masters, uh, and we can cry out to him, Lord Jesus, master, have mercy on me. And he is willing to minister to our need. Could I challenge you today? Whatever you've heard about Jesus and his goodness, whatever you've heard about Jesus and his miracle working power. Whatever you've heard about Jesus and his ability to set free and to deliver and to save, it is true. And if you have a need, all you have to do is reach out to him. All you have to do is open your voice and cry out, have mercy on us. He is able to heal. And to save. So if you've heard about him. Cry out to him. 
Let him do what only he can do in your life. And Jesus saw them. The interaction isn't very long. He doesn't go up to them and, and put on a show. He doesn't go up to them and bask in their attention. He just simply calls back to them. Go show yourself to the priest. Go show yourself to the priest. Now, to some, that may seem like an absurd statement. But if you read through Leviticus chapters 13 and chapters 14, you'll understand the old law. And let me take just a couple minutes real briefly here to share with you a little bit about the law. When an individual had an ailment on their skin, it was their responsibility to go to the priest. And they would present themselves to the priest and the priest would review the ailment of their skin. And there were certain criteria if you want to get into all of it, you can read Leviticus 13. And he would look for the certain criteria in the, the ailment of their skin. And if certain criteria was met, they were declared a leper. And that declaration was, you are unclean. You must take certain actions in your life. You must now go live outside the camp, outside the village, outside the city, wherever it was they lived. You must live apart from people. And when anybody comes near or close to you, you must call out, unclean, unclean. I just had a thought. I have to share it. Pause Leviticus. The lepers didn't scream unclean when they saw Jesus. As Jesus is approaching and he's coming by them, they didn't obey the Levitical law that said, hey, I'm supposed to yell unclean, unclean, because they didn't identify with what the world had put upon them as a label. They seen somebody who could change their label. They seen somebody that could transform who they were. He can take me from being an unclean to a clean person. He can take me from being a sinner to being a saint. He can take me from being an addict to recovered. He can take me from being broken to being healed he can take me from being lost to being found I don't have to identify with the label that this world has placed upon me but I can identify by the destiny that God has called me to unpause Leviticus and so once you're declared unclean you go and live outside of the camp and normally that's a life sentence True leprosy, it's a life sentence. Now, there's many different ailments that can happen to the skin that all kind of get clumped into the idea of leprosy. <clears throat> Sometimes it was what we would define as leprosy it's a, that's found in, in countries around the world today. And sometimes it was just other skin ailments. But they live outside of the camp. They were separated. But then you can read through Leviticus chapter 14. It begins to continue on the law about the process of one who has become clean or who has become healed. Maybe the condition of their skin was, was momentary and 
And maybe for whatever reason their diet changed or their actions changed or they began to bathe more. I don't know what the situation is, but for whatever reason the element of their skin would change and they'd become more the, the scabs and the wounds and the swelling and all that goes on with that would begin to change and clean up. And they could then take themselves and go present themselves before the priest. And the priest would then inspect them again according to the same rules that were in Leviticus chapter 13. And if they were still a leper, they would be told, no, you're still unclean. Go back outside. But if they were cleaned... There was a sacrifice that they would make and some actions that they would take. And they would be invited back inside the village, the town, the city, society. And they would live in the city but on the streets for seven days. And then they would go back to the priest and if they were confirmed clean after seven days, they would then be allowed to move back in with their family. And there was a whole other sacrifice that would be made and they would be clean. So when the lepers are calling out to Jesus, have mercy on us, and his simple response is, go show yourself to the priest. All ten of them jumped up. Well, I'm assuming jumped up. Eight of them might have jumped up, two of them may have hobbled up. And they began their leper march into the city. We're going to go show ourselves to the priest. My wounds still hurt. The swelling is still there. The oozing is still there. The raw flesh is still there. I don't want to be too graphic. You get the point. But we're going to go show ourselves to the priest. The master said that we could go show ourselves to the priest. And the Bible says while they were on their way, they were healed. <clears throat> One old guy was dragging his foot along. His foot hurt, sore, open wounds, raw flesh. About the time he gets to the city gate, he quits dragging his foot and starts walking normal. And it just takes a second before it registers up here that I don't hurt no more. That, that sensitivity is gone. The, the swelling has gone. The, the pain has gone. The master worked. The master touched me. The master is, has healed my leprosy. I'm sure the same type of situation happened to the other nine, each of them. As they're progressing towards the priest, their healing takes place. You know, obedience always precedes the blessing. It's a biblical principle. Obedience always precedes the blessing. Another example is Naaman, who came to the prophet. He was a leper. And the prophet said, you must go dip in the Jordan River seven times. And Naaman, being an affluent individual, was disgusted at the idea of dipping in the muddy Jordan River seven times. So much so that he even talked to his servant and says, why the Jordan River? There's so many clean rivers. Can't I go to one of the clean rivers? And the servant is like, hey, if he was making a big deal out of it and they broadcast your name everywhere, I'm 
paraphrasing. If you'd have made a big deal out of it, you'd have went and jumped in the Jordan River with no problem. Sometimes the people close to us can really bring a humbling experience. He says, yeah, you're right. I'm going to just go dip seven times. And on the seventh time after he dipped in the Jordan River, after he was obedient to the word of God, he came up and the Bible says he was made whole and he was clean as though he had new flesh. Obedience always proceeds the blessing. So if God's calling you today, he's calling you to an act of obedience. When God speaks to us, he speaks to us in terms of action. The example is the gospel. He calls us to repentance. Repentance isn't an emotion. Repentance is an action. Repentance is, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm going to turn and walk a different direction. It's an an action and a a decree and a decision inside of our hearts. When we repent, he forgives. He calls us to baptism. When we are baptized, our sins are remitted. The blessing is preceded by the obedience. And when we disobey God, there's separation that comes into place. Think of the story, excuse me, the story of King Saul. He's told, he's, goes, he's told to go war against an enemy and he's supposed to kill everything. Even all the animals. Just destroy. Wipe them out. And what does King Saul do? Well, he keeps the king, he keeps the prized men, he keeps the prized animals. He brings them all back together. <coughs> and the prophet shows up and he says, hey, hey, Saul. Do I hear the bleeding of the animals, of the enemy's animals? And then Saul, you know, begins, well, but, 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 well, but, well, he makes all of his stories and his excuses. And what was the proclamation from the man of God to the king? You may be head and shoulders above everybody else is how he was known. But your rule and your bloodline will not rule Israel. You are the first and the last of your bloodline to be king of Israel. He was separated from his calling. That should compel us today that when the voice of God speaks to us, we can choose to obey and proceed into blessing or we can choose to disobey and find ourselves further separated from what God has called us to. On the way to the priest, the one notices his flesh is healed. The stinging is gone. He quickly begins to examine himself. He's been through the process. He stood before the priest. He heard the priest look at him and go through the rules. He knew what it was affecting his body that caused him to be called unclean. And so he's taking inventory. All my wounds are healed up. All my swelling is gone. All of the identifying factors that would cause me to be called an unclean leper have been healed. All of the identifiers of leprosy have been healed from my body. What a glorious moment when he realizes his healing. The Bible says 
he proclaims and he begins to glorify God. <coughs> what a what an just glorious moment when we realize our healing. Have you been there? Have you been in that moment where you you realize you're healed? Sometimes we're going through life and, and stuff's happening and maybe it's physical or emotional or mental or spiritual, whatever avenue of life we want to talk about and you've just learned to live with it. You've learned to live with the pain. You've learned to live with the limp. You've learned to, to live with the scar. You've learned to, to live with the, the inability to do something and, and you've just learned that this just this black part of my life over here. It's just this closed off closet. It's just this separated part that I've, I've, I've just closed off and, and put it to the side and, and I'm just going to work around it. And then Jesus comes along and, and we realize that he can heal us. And, and we open up that spot to God and he begins to work on it and he begins to move on it. And we've become so accustomed to living with it that it takes a moment before we realize he's actually healed it. And then it clicks. He healed me. What a glorious moment that revelation is. How beautiful that moment is when repentance, when you feel grace and mercy just sweep over your life and you know without a shadow of a doubt, he's forgiven me of my sins. He's forgiven me. Grace is working in my life. Mercy is real in this moment. The pain stops. All your open wounds are closed up. And Jesus is doing what only he can do in the body, the heart, the emotions, the mind, the soul of mankind. But this leper, this one leper, did more than just proclaim his healing. He did more than just dance in the street. He did more than just rejoice and tell his story and glorify God. He stopped, turned around, and went back to Jesus. And when he got to Jesus, the Bible says he fell on his knees at the feet of Jesus and he thanked him. I see two reactions in this, this story between the healing and the thanking. I see the jubilant celebration of the healing. And I see the humble action of gratitude. And we should have both in our lives. <clears throat> when God does a work, we should, we should be joyful. We should celebrate. We should broadcast it from the, the rooftops. We should tell every person we know, I was broken, but God healed me. I was lost, but God found me. I was sick, but God healed me. We should tell the story that God is working in our life. And those are moments of exuberant, loud telling. Those are exciting and oftentimes we get satisfied with having told the story. 
But there's more than just telling the story. It's more than just being healed. I'm sure the other nine were just as excited when they realized their healing. I'm sure they told their families what happened outside the village that day. They talked about it for weeks and months and years to come. When they went to the blacksmith shop, the blacksmith said, I thought you were outside living in the leper camp. Oh no, let me tell you a story. When they went to the baker's house and they were picking up loaves of bread for festive times, they began to tell their story. When they went to the tanner's house or the cobbler's house when they went to the dairy farm or they went to this person's house or that person they shared the story all abroad all of them shared their story but only one only one found out the product of gratitude what did he do he fell at the feet of Jesus in a posture of humility and gratitude, and he began to thank him. <clears throat> Many times in church, we, we have our churchy phrases, right? The things we say in church. Oh, let's bless the Lord today. Oh, the Lord's been blessing me. Oh, the Lord's blessings are abundant. And and we can get really focused on all the blessings that God's bringing our direction. I was reading through Psalms once and, well, more than once, but one time when I was reading through Psalms, the idea of blessing jumped out at me. Maybe when you go through Psalms next time, it'll jump out to you as well. How many times the commandment was for us to bless God versus God blessing us and that term oftentimes used not every time but most of the time used for us to bless the Lord the word bless simply means to bow oneself over in thankfulness in gratitude it's the posture of humility it's to place oneself Beneath, it's to recognize he's the master and I'm the servant. It's to realize he's the one that can when I can't. So we often are celebratory in a big outward expression in our moment of revelation of our healing. But it should be followed. But a moment of humil- humble humility, of thankfulness. And gratitude expressed to God. And it was in this moment, not the big celebration, not the loud proclamation, but in this moment of humble gratitude, we find the product of being grateful. Jesus responds to the one. Go your way. Not, okay, you're supposed to go to the priest. Go your way. Your faith has made you whole. Wholeness is the product of gratitude. Wholeness is the product of gratitude. Nine men went to the priest. Nine men were healed. Nine who were lepers, unclean, are now clean. 
But all nine of them went home with scars and wounds and maybe missing fingers or missing toes, missing parts of their body, marks upon them that once I was a leper, once I was broken, once I was separated, once I was distanced from society. But there's one of the ten who didn't go to the priest. He just went back to his house. And when he walked in the front door, no one could tell he was a leper because he wasn't just healed, he was made whole. His finger may have fallen off, but it grew back. His scars may have been upon his body, but when he re-examined himself, the scar was gone and it was as though he had never had leprosy before. He was made completely whole. I want to tell you today, there's sometimes we come to God and he heals us and he touches us and we feel the exuberant joy of being healed but if we'll find the place of gratitude he'll remove the scars he'll remove the pain he'll remove the damage people might look at you and say I remember when in your life but let me tell you, God has a work that he wants to complete in each and every one of us so that when people look at you, they don't see your past, they see your future. God wants to complete a work in you where they don't see brokenness, but they see wholeness. The product of gratitude is wholeness. The completed work of God comes into our lives through the avenue of gratitude. Gratitude opens the door and allows God's work to continue in us until it is perfected in us. <clears throat> Philippians 1 and 6 says, Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. That word perform means to fulfill or to complete. Other translations use the word complete. He has begun, he hath begun a good work in you and will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. From the time that we're born again of water and spirit uh, until he calls us into the glorious clouds uh, and his return, uh, there's a working that's happened. He's continuing to perfect us. He's continuing to mold us. He's continuing to shape us. Oh, he's taking care of the big glaring issue, but he's in behind the scenes healing this wound, moving this scar. He's working over here, healing this brokenness, putting this part back together again. People will never even know that brokenness was there. It just becomes part part of a story and people are like really how often do we become satisfied with the healing but we miss out on wholeness Trenton you can come this morning God's not finished with you or I he's still working on me I'm not that far along yet. Hold on. <laughs> He's going to make me what I ought to be. Did you know you're a big project for God? That's not an insult. The next part of that song says, It took him just a week to make the sun and the moon and the stars, Jupiter and Mars, all that. It took him just a week. But it takes him a lifetime to figure us out. 
That's because he has something more planned for you. He has something bigger planned for you. You're more glorious in the workmanship of God in your life than all the stars of the galaxies that stand out there in space. You're more beautiful and more detail-oriented. You're more intricate in the workings of the hand of God than all of the creation we enjoy in this earth. It takes him a lifetime to perfect us and get us to be exactly who he is Shining through us. So I'll never stop. I'll not just be satisfied with my healing. But I'll keep serving. I'll keep living. I'll keep doing what God has called me to do. Because he's still working on me. He's taking me to a place of wholeness. He's completing what he's begun in my life. Look at the creation of God. This is my last point, and then I'm going to close. You read through Genesis chapter 1, and you see that all the plants and herbs and trees, and the fruit and the vegetables, all these things that he created, he says he put in the seed of itself inside of it. This means... Every morning when you wake up, God did not have to say, let there be strawberries. Let there be maple trees. Let the pine trees grow today. God is not creating new every single day. The power and the beauty of God's creation was he created it within its creation, its ability to procreate or recreate itself. So the miraculous is that a seed can be planted in the ground and that seed can die. And in the death of the seed, it it germinates and it sticks out a little root and it pushes up a little sprout and it begins to grow and the roots grow deeper and the sprout grows taller. And what's once... What once was a tiny little seed can grow into a plant or a tree and that plant and that tree bears forth fruit. That's the miracle. But it's not the completed work. We have taken fruits and vegetables we as a collective term scientists have and they've made them what's called sterile. They remove the ability for that fruit or that tree or that plant to reproduce. One example is something we enjoy eating. It makes eating it easier. Seedless watermelon. No ability to reproduce. Has no seed. The beauty and the end of the watermelon is the fact that it exists. The miracle is all that's there. But the completed work is when the watermelon dies and the seed goes into the ground and it reproduces and it brings forth a plant that doesn't produce a watermelon, but it produces watermelons. 
And that's the completed work God wants to put in each of us. He wants to take once was a story of brokenness, and he wants that person to die out to their past and be buried in the ground through water baptism and through living for God and through submission and humility to the King of Kings. And then he'll take you and you'll have a sprout grow out of you and you'll have a, a root come out of you and you'll begin to grow and your story will multiply and you'll begin to bear fruit and that's the miracle but that's not the completed work the completed work is when it starts all over again it's called being a disciple maker it's called doing the work of the kingdom I don't know where you are in the process in great detail today but Hebrews 12 and 2 tells us looking unto Jesus the author and finisher of our faith. Jesus, yes, Jesus took your life and he used your life as the paper and he took his finger as the pen and in his infinite knowledge, he, the author, began to write on your life a story. It's the beginning, it's the start, it's the miraculous, but writing the story isn't the completion of the story. The completion of the story is when the story is taken to the publisher and the publisher runs it through the printing press and it begins to print and print and print and then it goes to the binding department and all those pages are organized and put together and they're bound together and stamped with a cover and then multiple copies of the story are put in a box and then that box is shipped to a store it's published, it's broadcast, it's shared, it's distributed, and the story goes to this household, and the story goes to that household, and the story goes to this household. Now the story is finished because it can be read. Manuscripts in a desk drawer are not the completed work. The completed work is once the story has been shared and told that's the completed work and let me just tell you the next part of the story or as Paul Harvey would say the rest of the story as the story is being told more of the story is being written it's a never ending cycle it's perpetual it's going over and over and over and over and over and over and the writing has edition 1 and edition 2 and edition 12 and edition 26 God's working on you. Would you stand with me this morning? God's working on you. God's ministering in your life. God's ministering in your heart. So I have two proclamations to you today. One, I would proclaim to you, if God's done the miraculous, don't delay in being grateful for what he's done in your life. Shout it from the mountaintops. Let the glorification of God be in your lips. Glorify God in your heart. And then after you've proclaimed it loudly, find yourself a place of humility because you've told the story to others. But find your place where you can kneel before the feet of a master and just pour your heart out to him. Thank you for listening to the LifeSpring Church Podcast. Join us in person on Sundays at 11 a.m. Visit us online at lifespringchurch.us.